Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Scott. Welcome to Skip Don Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today's episode is Eagles and their song Too Many Hands off of their 1975 album, One of These Nights. So you just heard in our little intro that I referred to the band Eagles as Eagles and not the Eagles because that's technically correct, but I'm not going to hold myself to that standard because it's just a really awkward wording for... Yeah, so so the band, the official name of the band is just Eagles. It's not the Eagles, but... Doing research for this, I mean, even their official Wikipedia refers <laughs> to them as, can't, yeah, as can't the hold Eagles. Themselves to that so sometimes it'll say Eagles, sometimes it'll say the Eagles or, or whatever. But so, you know, you and I were both pretty, we're kind of sticklers for this kind of thing, you know, like, like, you they know, chose the name. That's what it that's is. What and, we're, name and we're going to respect it. Yeah, choice. we're going to try and respect it. But at the same time, like, it's kind of hard to respect it. So if you're an Eagles fan and you're, you know, real big into the band and you hear us refer to the band as the Eagles at some point in this episode, just, just deal with it. Like, it's, you know, you're just for the sake of grammar. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to let it go, you know, because if, if, because we're pretty stickler about this thing. And so if we're able to deal with it, then you should be able to as well. I guess it makes sense that it's, especially problematic for this band, which is known for their production prowess and attention to detail. Attention to detail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of specificity with this band that I feel like is one of the cool parts about this band. It's simultaneously one of those things that's kind of like a turn off and turn on where this band is so meticulous with everything that you have to be kind of impressed by it. But at the same rate, it's it's sometimes frustrating because, for example, we talked about the the live performances of the band as we were doing research for the, for the episode, and one of the things is if you go and see them, it's note for note. Yeah, like there's no liberties with. It's like playing the record. Really. Yeah, it's like pushing play on the record in a huge sound system. I mean, obviously they're really playing the the parts. They're not, you know, but it's not any different than what you'd hear on the record, which is, you know. As we were saying, admirable. It's, it's, it's admirable. It's like they're able to do this, which is pretty impressive. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, you know, let's let's throw in something a little bit different here. Let's, you know, put a jam session or maybe yeah, play a different little... part or extend a section or whatever. You know, do something that's going to make it a little different. But, you know, that's, it's typically, yeah, that's just how the band approaches the, things. Yeah. So and and I think we're, you know, we're going to discuss this as we go over their history. But this is a band that that, you know, really takes the, the group seriously. This is a band that like is ready to fight tooth and nail to, to do what it perceives as being the best thing for the group. Uh, even if that involves kicking members out of the band, even that if it involves, you know, doing things that maybe don't seem quite so, uh, I don't know, logical, like at the time, whatever the case may be, they're ready to, to stick it out for the long run. That's an oh, Eagles wow. reference. That's an Eagles reference. If you didn't catch that one. <laughs>
So our story starts on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The Eagles actually start in Los Angeles with drummer and singer Don Henley and guitarist and singer Glenn Frey meeting in 1970. I'm going to make this easier on myself and our listeners. Everyone that's in this band also sings. (laughs) So I'm just going to refer to their, their main instrument. They are both recording for the same label, Amos Records, in different bands, and they're hanging out at the Troubadour, a well-known nightclub where a ton of acts have gotten their start. Fry had come to L.A. from Detroit and formed a band with John David Souther, more familiarly known as J.D. Souther, who was from Texas. They form a duo called Long Branch Penny Whistle and release one record in 1969 that blends country, rock, and folk. Country rock was a blend that started to be popularized in the late 1960s and exploded in the 1970s. Meanwhile, Henley is in a band called Shiloh in Texas. Shiloh signs with Amos Records, and they come to L.A. They record and release a single record, which was produced by Kenny Rogers in 1970. Each of their bands fails to achieve anything of significance. In 1971, Linda Ronstadt, who was just starting her career, needs a band. Her manager, John Boylan, hires Fry and Henley to be in that band. Bass player Randy Meisner joins that band with Fry and Henley. Meisner had been in a band called Poco with Greg Altman and former members of Buffalo Springfield. Meisner was playing in a supporting band at the time, the Stone Canyon Band, for pop star Ricky Nelson, then known as Rick Nelson. After being a teen idol, Nelson changed his name when he turned 21, kind of like how Little Bow Wow is Bow Wow. Yeah, he's not little anymore. Nope, nope. (laughs) Throwing up. Anyway, during the tour, Fry and Henley decide they want to start a band together. They talk to Ronstadt, who is supportive of their decision, and she actually suggests guitarist Bernie Ledden to, to them, going so far as to actually get him in the band so they could make the ask. They also bring Meisner on board, and with that, we have the original Eagles lineup. J.D. Souther was suggested as an additional band member, but for reasons I couldn't find, Meisner did not agree. But Souther would be a frequent songwriting collaborator. In the fall of 1971, the Eagles signed with Asylum Records, a brand new label founded by David Geffen. Fry was friends with singer-songwriter Jackson Brown, who introduced him to Geffen. Geffen brings the band to Colorado, and they play their first show at a club in Aspen as Teen King and the Emergencies. Way better name than the <laughs> Eagles, right? Right? <laughs> they couldn't decide on a name, and there's all kinds of stories about where the name Eagles comes from, even among the band members. Anything from comedian Steve Martin suggested it, to the name being adopted after a night of drinking and taking drugs out in the desert. Whatever the reason, they become Eagles. Not the Eagles. (laughs) Fry tells Geffen he wants Glenn Johns to produce their first record, admiring his work. Johns is a well-known British engineer and producer who basically worked with everyone. Zeppelin, the Beatles, the Who, Dylan, everyone. If you look them up, it's just, It's it's crazy. Yeah. Johns comes to Colorado to see the band play, and he thinks the band lacks direction. Fry is a rock music guy, and Lennon is a country guy, and he doesn't think what they're doing works together. Geffen gets Johns to hear the band a second time when the Eagles return to L.A. He changes his mind this time, but only after hearing Meisner's song, Take the Devil, which features the four members singing harmonies together. He's blown away by what he hears, decides to produce the band, and focus on their ability to harmonize. The band goes to London to record, but there's already tension between him and the band. Johns loves the acoustic and vocal side of the band, while Fry and Henley want more of a rock sound. The tracks end up featuring both styles, but remain firmly rooted in country, and the musicians all share lead vocals. Fry and Meisner have three songs each, Ledden has two, and Henley eventually had two. 
The song Nightingale was a late addition when Geffen and fellow record exec Elliot Roberts, who was also managing the band, wanted to hear more of Henley singing. John says he turned the band into the country rock band with those high-flying harmonies. Their self-titled debut comes out in 1972. The album lands at number 102, but climbs to peak at number 22 on the charts with the help of top 40 hits like Witchy Woman and Peaceful Easy Feeling, along with Take It Easy, a song co-written by Fry and Jackson Brown. The sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. The band goes out on tour as an opener for Yes. They return to the studio for the second record, Desperado. Fry wanted the band to get more acclaim as serious artists. The album was initially intended to be about anti-heroes and outlaws and then changed to a general Western theme. Fry describes the original idea as feeling like they were outlaws due to living the rock and roll lifestyle, and Henley expressing it was a little related to the music business. Geffen had sold Asylum Records to Warner, and the band felt like they weren't getting international promotion and feeling a little slighted and angry. Well, guys, maybe don't record a song about the American West (laughs) if you want to gain worldwide acclaim. But with that theme in mind, Glenn Johns returned as producer, the writing went pretty quickly, and Henley and Fry became the main writers in the band, penning eight of the 11 tracks on the record. Surprisingly not released as a single, one of the results of their collaboration was the ballad Desperado. Desperado Oh, you ain't getting no young Your pain and your hunger They're driving you home And freedom, oh freedom Well that's just some people talking your prison is walking through this world The album comes out in 1973. While there were some positive reviews for the record, and in retrospect, it's been viewed as an important record for the development of the country rock sound, many critics dismissed it, and some went so far as to call it a silly cowboy record. It debuted at number 145 on the charts and only reached number 41. The poor performance of the album, combined with Henley and Fry's greater role in all aspects of the band, and the fact that Ledden and Meisner had been in the music business much longer and having their inputs diminished started to cause fractures in the band. For their next record, Fry and Henley were determined to take the band in the rock direction they really wanted. They began working again with Glenn Johns in London, but only get through two tracks before deciding to work with a new producer, Bill Shimzik, and record in Los Angeles. Johns and Fry are doing most of the fighting with arguments about the band's overall sound. John explains they're a country band to Fry and that The Who is a rock band, not The Eagles. Fry is also pissed about John's continued policy of no drinking or drugs while recording. Fry is a partaker of both. (laughs) So all this, combined with the disappointment of Desperado, everything boiled over. After six weeks, they only had two tracks they take with them from the sessions, one of which is Best of My Love, and they begin to work with Shimzik in California. Shimzik had just produced an album for rock star Joe Walsh, a name you'll hear again soon. The band felt more comfortable and had more freedom with Shimzik, and he encouraged them to explore the harder edge they had been looking to find. 
Following this inspiration, Ledden reached out to a friend, Don Felder, to play slide guitar on a track. The band was so pleased with his guitar work, he would join the band before the sessions were finished. On the Border was released in 1974, and the first single, Already Gone, showed off more of their rock-oriented sound. The album received mixed reviews, with some critics noting that the band didn't seem to know what to do with so many guitarists, but there was also some praise for the band trying to find new musical directions. The record peaked at 17, far better than their previous releases. After another rock single, James Dean, which had been written during the Desperado sessions when they were following the anti-hero theme, they released the Glenn Johns-produced Best of My Love. It would be their first number one single. So maybe that guy, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe uh, knew something. <laughs> Pay attention to that legend of rock history. <laughs> Fry had actually initially pushed back on its release. As a side note, the album also features a cover of the Tom Waits song "Old 55" because Geffen played Waits's demos for Fry, and he liked the song. We have an episode on Tom Waits and talk more about his start and getting found by Geffen. For those of you who are fans of you know that song and, and want to know more about the the original writer. In 1974, the Eagles played in front of 300,000 people during the so-called Woodstock of the West Coast, sharing the bill with bands like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Black Sabbath, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Deep Purple. What a lineup. (laughs) (laughs) You could do anything back then. It's crazy. Some of the concert was broadcast on TV, which helped to promote the band. The following year, 1975, saw the release of their fourth album, One of These Nights, which our song Too Many Hands is from. As is our custom, we'll talk more about that later, but this record really pushes the band into stardom off rock and R&B-inspired songs like the title track, the album opener, One of These Nights. Some tracks still feature their country roots, like the somber ballad, Lion Eyes. But he knows where she's going and she's leaving. She is headed for the cheating side of town. It's their first number one album, and they go out on a huge tour to support it. After the tour, guitarist Bernie Ledden leaves, and Joe Walsh replaces him. We'll get into all that later. The band released their first greatest hits record in 1976, which would become the best-selling record of the 20th century until Michael Jackson's Thriller surpassed it in sales following his death in 2009. You should look on your parent shelf and anybody you know. There's probably a copy of it somewhere. Chances are you have a copy of that. My parents had a copy (laughs) of it. 
You don't even know where it came from. You're just, where did this just, Eagles record come from? There's plenty to go around. <laughs> the band goes back into the studio or studios. They split their time between Miami and L.A. and spend over a year recording their next record. In 1976, the band releases their fifth album, Hotel California. They have another number one album and number one song, the title track of the record, Hotel California. The album deals with a number of heavier and darker themes for the band, the death of idealism, the decline of the American dream, the perils of excess, and an overall sense of disillusionment. Despite the morose character of the record, reviews were positive, and the album, as we mentioned, and as you probably know, was a huge hit in their most recognizable work. The first year of sales saw the album move 6 million copies. It also won a Grammy for Record of the Year. The band would tour for nearly a year to continue promoting the record. Meisner struggled on the tour, battling stomach ulcers and anxiety. When he sang the hit Take It to the Limit, on which he was the lead vocal, he was forced to be in the spotlight and take center stage. He began to struggle with singing the song. It has this big epic ending with super high notes. Let's take a quick listen. Meisner was slated to perform it as an encore, but fighting his ailments and then catching the flu during the tour, he declined to perform it and fought with Fry about the decision. He was eventually dismissed from the band and replaced by Timothy B. Schmidt, who, interestingly, had also filled his face when he first left Poco to join the Eagles. The band returned to the studio with this new lineup and for two years worked on what would become 1979's The Long Run. They wanted to make a double album, but couldn't finish enough songs. There's actually a cool cut of several unfinished tracks, all instrumentals, on their Selected Works box set called Long Run Leftovers. It edits 10 to 20 seconds of a number of these songs, so you can get a little glimpse into what might have been, and they sound pretty good as far as demos go, so I'm not sure why they weren't finished with vocals. At any rate, the album was another success commercially, hitting number one in its second week. It also produced another number one single for the band, Heartache Tonight, which would also win the band another Grammy Award. The album also earned the band two other top 10 singles. During the tour, Felder had been increasingly frustrated over the limited role he was relegated to in the band. Things had been bad for a while. On Hotel California, he had actually been promised a lead vocal on the track A Victim of Love that never happened. He started arguing with Fry while on stage, and their falling out marked the end of the band. 
They released a live record, part of a contractual obligation, and the band appeared to be finished. The members all pursued solo careers, with Henley and Fry having the most success. In 1994, the Eagles reunited with the lineup from the long run, Henley, Fry, Felder, Schmidt, and Walsh. They released a live record with a few new studio tracks called Hell Freezes Over, a reference to Henley's statement when anyone would ask him when the band was getting back together. The album led to a successful reunion tour. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998, and their performance reunited them with former members Ledden and Meisner. They wouldn't regularly join them on the many tours that have occurred in the years since. I think Ledden played a few dates with them, and Meisner's health has been a continuing issue. The band's internal fighting also didn't end completely. Felder was fired in 2001, stemming from an argument over Fry and Henley's portions of the band's touring profits. In 2007, the now four-piece band released a new record, which currently stands as their last, Long Road Out of Eden. A double record, it hit number one in the U.S. and gave them their fourth consecutive number one album. In 2016, Glenn Fry died at the age of 67 due to a number of complications following intestinal surgery. The band has since continued to tour, replacing him with Fry's son, Deacon, and adding country star Vince Gill to their lineup. So that's our brief history of the Eagles. Now let's go back to 1975 and take a closer look at the album, One of These Nights, and our episode song, Too Many Hands. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. One thing that's important to know about this band is that it's it's kind of like a similar situation with other bands like Fleetwood Mac or 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 others where each member writes songs and when they write a song and give it to the band they have the option most of the time unless Don Henley steps in and says no they have the option to sing that song as well. So that creates a very interesting dynamic. Not many bands do this. You know, most bands, you have a, a a lead singer, you know, someone who is designated as being the quote unquote front man or front woman or whatever it might be. And then you have your guitarist who mostly plays guitar. You have the drummer, most plays, you know, each person has their own set thing. But the Eagles do things differently where any at any point, like one of the other members could step up and sing a song and then he steps back and then another member steps forward and sings a song and, and all that. So it creates this very interesting dynamic where the your your if your role in a band is not super defined, it can get a little hairy. And as we mentioned in the history, things start to get a little hairy with the band, you know, people getting fired and infighting and stuff like that. And so this moment where one of these nights is being created is kind of this culmination of these antagonistic feelings that the band has been having internally. And as we're going to explain, this this comes to kind of a head, you know, not long after this this starts to begin. So yeah, as I mentioned in the history, Fry and Henley are dominating the songwriting. 
while they do collaborate with others and other members of the band, they're pretty clearly taking charge of the band. And more than half the songs on this record are their songs, basically. You can kind of see why they're taking charge of the band. I mean, the, the title track, One of These Nights, Lion Eyes, After the Thrill is Gone, even Take It to the Limit, which Meisner sings vocals on, is a song that he wrote with Henley and Fry. So I'm not saying that they're wrong in any way by wanting to take charge because they're clearly they're, 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 they're the, the ones producing yeah. the singles for yeah. the most part. But also, you know, to, to what extent would other members have gotten, you know, their moment to shine? And I think that's kind of why we're we're doing too many hands today, because I feel like it's it's a moment where the other band members get to shine. But this album is important because it's also when the Eagles are on this brink of stardom. It's their first number one record. They score a second number one single with the title track. They get their first Grammy win. They're also nominated for album and record of the year. So there's a lot going on in this band right now. There's that you know, Hotel California is still, you know, a year or two away and they don't even know at this time basically how big they're going to get. So it's also kind of the end of the democratic, the more democratic process of this band, I feel, where other band members are still kind of heard. And after this, I, I feel like it confirmed to Henley and Fry, like, OK, we're the hit makers and we need to do what's best for the band to remain successful and part of that is saying no to people or taking away some of, you know, what what the other band members might expect to be doing. Like they might expect to sing on a song and it's like, no, you can't do that because, you know, we, we, we want this to be a hit. <laughs> you, you can kind of imagine that that's some of what's going on. You mentioned in the history that Don Felder wanted to sing the lead vocal on Victim of Love, which is from the next album, Hotel California, but he wasn't able to do that. So you just kind of briefly said it in the history, but let's let's talk a little bit about what actually happened. So apparently, according to the research that I did, apparently they're in the studio and Felder is trying to lay down his lead vocal for the song and it's not up to snuff, according to Henley and, and Fry. So the manager, Azoff, takes... Felder out to dinner and then they secretly recorded the lead vocal while he was out to dinner and then when he came back they were like guess what you're off we're on now so like I mean, obviously, this is after this album that we're talking about today. But that's a good story that, that explains... That, that explains just, like, how this band was operating, you know, around this time. Like, obviously, Hotel California is a couple years after this. But but this album represents this, like, quantum shift from the Eagles being this, like, you know, country rock kind of hybrid where everyone has a voice. You know, maybe not, like, as big of a voice as Henley and Someone Fry. might have one or two more tracks than you, yeah. but you're at least being heard. You're at least being heard. You're having that chance to shine on, on stage and on, on the record. And this this album is kind of like the linchpin where it shifts from, from that to the Henley Fry show. It's also interesting because it's wherein they kind of... You get the feeling that Henley and Fry decide we don't need the credibility so much that Bernie Ledden and Randy Meisner brought to the band. Cause you have to remember Fry and Henley, when they started, they're nobodies. They're in these bands that haven't gone anywhere. Meanwhile, Ledden and Meisner are in bands that are moderately successful. Like people know who they are and they have friends in the music business and know other people. And so basically off the back of that is how Henley and Fry kind of helped to build themselves so I mentioned in the history that Ledden actually gets pretty unhappy during the recording of this record and chooses to leave after the tour. So what's kind of going on here is Ledden is unhappy because he's more of a country guy. 
he contributed and rather interesting inter- instrumental to this record, Journey of the Sorcerer. Also co-wrote Hollywood Waltz, which is on this. But his main vocal contribution is I Wish You Peace, which closes the album. And Henley says that he only included that song to basically keep the band intact, to basically just appease him. So Bernie Ledden would continue on through the tour. And after leaving, they get Joe Walsh to replace him, which I think says a lot how they discarded the country credibility and the country roots that they had in order to get more rock credibility. Ledden brought a lot to this band because he plays more than just guitar. He plays mandolin, banjo, pedal steel, kind of all those beautiful parts that you hear on those earlier Eagles records. That's Bernie Ledden like laying down those tracks. And wasn't, uh, I think we saw in our research at some point that Glenn Johns was, was immediately drawn to, you know, that style of stuff, that, yeah, that interesting, said, that interesting sound that he was creating. So he was basically saying to the band, like, this guy is, is your golden ticket. This is the guy who separates you from everybody else. And the harmonies that you're doing are, are, are good, are good as well. Yeah, so and, I'm working with your best parts and these are your best parts. I'm it, trying to tell you that. And you don't want it. <laughs> you clearly don't want to hear it. Exactly. So it, to, 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 to remove that aspect from the group and bring in someone like Joe Walsh, who, if you're listening to this, this, you know, episode and don't know who Joe Walsh is, Joe Walsh is a rock star. Like he is, you know, the wild rock star. Yeah, radio's over guy. the top kind yeah, of character. Long, yeah. long hair, you know, ready to, to throw on a full leather outfit at any moment. You know, he's he's a rock star's rock star. Where the, the rest of the band, you know, like you mentioned in the history that, you know, they like to drink, they like to do drugs or whatever. But they're not driving, you know, cars into hotel pools. They're not throwing televisions out of the window. There's no, like, debauchery in the Eagles. But Joe Walsh represents kind of that aspect so to fire Ledin and bring in Walsh is is definitely it's a statement by the band or um, Ledin just choosing the I'm, or Ledin I mean, just choosing the, whatever, whatever. I mean, I'm sure yeah I'm sure it was unpleasant for everyone exactly but but to, to, to remove Ledin and bring in Walsh definitely is this seismic shift in in what the band even is anymore and so you know bringing it back to this album uh one of these nights you you get the sense that this is this is like the end of this this album when you hear the last note on I wish you peace you're you're hearing like the closing of a book you're hearing the closing of a of a particular chapter in this band's history and then you're going to you know the, open the new chapter when you start playing Hotel California which is the next album and then in terms of the other overlooked member of the band we have Randy Meisner who sings on the hit take it to the limit and also sings today's song, Too Many Hands. And I feel like one of the reasons we're choosing the song is because it kind of helps highlight the more overlooked members of this band. So I think when we when you listen to the song and when we talk about the song, it makes it clear what these Ledden and Felder and Meisner brought to the band. This album, one of these nights, is definitely not a concept record in any shape or form. You know, I don't, I don't think anyone would would argue that. However, there is a through line that runs throughout most of the record, which is the way I I would describe it as 
post breakup songs like not a song about I want to break up with you or you know maybe we're going to break up or whatever but the breakup has already happened and now I'm going to express how I feel about it and most of the songs are expressing bitterness anger general negativity towards that previous relationship you can tell just from the you know the song titles I mean you have lion eyes after the thrill is gone you know uh even this one too many hands uh, you know, you, you get, you get the sense that these are relationships that were not great, or maybe they were great, but now that they're over, the guys are angry about it. So that kind of, you, if you take the album as being like a loose concept record where that's the concept too many hands, once we get into like the lyrical content of the song is, is definitely one of the more angry tracks on the record about this like post breakup kind of motif. So Too Many Hands is obviously a a reference to the laying on of hands as a kind of blessing. But here it's taken to be pretty clearly a sexual reference. (laughs) Rather, rather blasphemous. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. The first thing that I thought when I saw the lyrics for the song was that it was like pretty hardcore slut shaming. Obviously, it, it has not aged well. It is I mean, not aged lyrically well speaking. lyrically. It, it definitely has some lines in there where you're like, okay, like this guy's just angry because his you know ex girlfriend is getting it on with other people now that they've broken up, or or maybe even she was getting it on with people while they were together. Maybe he's just angry that she was cheating on him. Whatever the case may be, the song is pretty clear that like you know she's with other people and that really is bad not just is it not just like it makes me mad that she's with other people but like the idea that she would even be with someone else is is and 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 the suggestion of i know what's better for you and i think that this is this is bad for you right so i mean it just you know looking at one of the one of the the chorus and there's too many hands being laid on her too many eyes will never see that it's dragging her down but you won't hear a sound as she turns around she turns around. So, yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, this is, you know, this album comes out in 1975. So, this was a different time. All the band members are all, you know, white dudes and they're all heterosexual and whatever. So, we're going to we're going to let the, the you know, the feminist, you know, anti-feminist outlook and the slut-shaming pass for a little bit here just to talk about the track. But but yeah, generally, I think you you said it best. This this song has not aged well as far as lyrical content goes. I think one of the why we chose the song was more musically. So it's written by Meisner and Felder. To me, I feel like it's a lot less polished than many of the Eagles tracks. Like I don't know, it just feels a little more loose. Loose, yeah. Which is which isn't something I as as we talked about at the top of the episode. Something that you generally would describe with uh, the Eagles. I'm assuming it must have somewhat of a special place for the band because it made their Selective Works box set, which has a live disc and only three discs of studio tracks. Obviously, a lot of which are hits, but this one managed to make its way on there. So I'm assuming someone, maybe, a, a maybe few Meis- of the members must must really like yeah, it. Yeah, Meisner might have fought for it or something. He might have been like, no, I'm not represented enough on here. You got to throw this song on there. Something like that might have Yeah, been. yeah. So, I mean, the song it just sounds different than a lot of the other Eagle stuff. So you get this kind of cool acoustic guitar playing this riff. Uh, the acoustic guitar is in open D, which I assume must have been Felder because that's a pretty common tuning if you play slide guitar. And there's also, you know, there's all kinds of guitar on here. I, I had mentioned, you know, once Felder joined the band that there was this criticism of there's too many guitarists here. Nobody knows what to do with them. And I feel like this track is a great example of how to effectively use three guitars in the band. 
So this album to me almost has like this Almond Brothers feel. There's this cool percussive breakdown that happens with like Henley playing, I'm assuming like congas or something that then leads into like this little bass solo. And then you get these quick harmonized vocals and then you get the guitars like trading riffs off, which I feel like is interesting because if anybody who knows the super long solos in Hotel California, they end up kind of mimicking that same thing with like the kind of call and response of guitar solo on, you know, playing out of the right speaker, guitar solo playing out of the left speaker. So it's, I don't know, there's a, musically, I just feel like there's a lot of cool stuff going on here that isn't, I think, in any, a lot of the other Eagles songs. I mentioned that the idea of the album being a loose concept record of of bitter breakup, you know, bitter post breakup songs is is kind of how I perceive the album as a whole. And this song, "Too Many Hands," kind of being one of the most one of the one of the standouts as far as the anger and the bitterness with the you know with the slut shaming and the and, and all that with, in the lyrics. But it's interesting to note you mentioned uh, in your history that we found out that the band, especially Don Henley, was was very anti the last track on this on this record which is called I wish you peace and that song is written by Bernie Ledden and it it definitely has a, a very distinct sound to it it's similar to what you're talking about with too many hands where it doesn't quite sound like an eagles song it sounds a little bit different in a certain way but lyrically the song is i mean just in the title alone I wish you peace the fact that this song closes out the record is to me a, a good sign. Like it's good. Like we have a, a, a record full of very angry songs. And then the last song is I wish you peace. And the song is as, as you would expect it. The lyrical content is basically like you're gone, but listen, I hope everything's okay with you. I only want what's best for you. Live your life. Have a good time. See you later kind of thing. And what's kind of ironic and interesting is that Don Henley hates this song and didn't even want to put it on the record. He only put it on the record because he wanted to appease Ledin to try and keep the band together. So it's like, I don't know, Don Henley can't even see that I Wish You Peace is such a perfect closer for this record as a whole, the perfect like antithesis to Too Many Hands. And he can't even see that it's a great way to close the record because all he cares about is... Is the interpersonal it's one dynamics? One for me. Yeah. What, what, what about me? I only have eight songs. You know, like so. It's 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 interesting that that's how this this record ends, and I think it kind of, in a way, the it kind of makes up for the anger and you know almost misogyny of the lyrics of Too Many Hands by saying like, oh, you know what? I was angry. I said some stuff. It's bad. I'm sorry. But you know what? All I want is for the best of you. See you later album closes and I think that's great and I think it's a really cool way to kind of absolve the band so you know thank you very much Bernie Ledin for for fighting to get I Wish You Peace put on this record because I feel like it definitely helps save the save the 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 very angry words used on on the album to to kind of bring it back to a you know a solace kind of thing
we've done a few episodes of Skipped on Shuffle where I've actively not liked, you know, the band that we've been talking about. And I've kind of had to push myself through to, to get, you know, to, you know, to, to learn about it and listen to it and be like, oh, I really don't like this band, but you know, we're doing this episode. So I'm going to push through. That's not the case with the Eagles. I, I like the Eagles. I, I'm a, I'm a fan. Like they've got so many hits that it's, you know, it's kind of unfathomable how many hits this, this band has had. They're just, they're just everywhere. I feel like they're, this is one of those groups where whether you want to or not, you're going to know two or three songs. I mean, you know, obviously Hotel California is, if you're, if you live in the United States, you've heard that song a million times, whether you, whether you care about it or don't care about it. Uh, and then, you know, take it to the limit is another song that like immediately comes to, to, to mind when, when you, when, you know, you're thinking of like rock radio or, or whatever. So I appreciate the Eagles for a lot of things, but, uh, the, the, the thing that I think about the most when I think about the Eagles that makes me kind of be like, uh, is, is hotel California. And it's not because the song's not good. The song is great. Like it's a great song. It's it's more the fact that to test audio equipment, hi-fi people, people who are really into like audio quality, testing headphones, testing speaker systems, audio engineers, they all go to Hotel California as like their their rubric. So if you're ever testing out a set of high quality headphones or speakers or whatever, chances are good you're going to hear Hotel California play through those speakers as a test. And so whenever I have to test these these you know speakers or or listen to headphones or try and decide like, oh, you know, what headphones should I buy or what should I do? I have to listen to Hotel California. And it makes it so that I Every time I start hearing those little plinky guitars in the beginning of Hotel California, I'm like, oh, this song again. So, yeah, I kind of had that kind of personal association with the Eagles. That's kind of brings it down. And then uh, my my second thing that kind of brings down my my perception of the Eagles is that when they released their 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 most recent and most likely final album, Long Road Out of Eden, they 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 did an exclusive with Walmart. So. I mean, this isn't really done anymore because most people don't buy physical copies of CDs. But, you know, at the time, if you wanted to buy this new Eagles record, the, the record that was, what, 20 plus years in the making from their from their most recent record before that, you had to go to Walmart and buy it. And, you know, the, obviously this was a decision the band made. I'm sure it made them a ton of money. I'm sure Walmart came to them and said, hey, if you only sell this record in Walmart, we'll give you a higher royalty rate or we'll give you, you know, millions of dollars up front, whatever the case may be. And they was like, you yeah, know, that sounds like a good idea. And, you know, at the time when this record came out, it was it was a struggling time for your local music stores who were just, you know, just barely scraping by because people were shifting to digital music and whatever. It's 2007. So it's yeah. also like the eve of recession, you know, that. Yeah. So it was a rough time and this record was so huge and you know, the Eagles basically just stuck up their middle finger to every local mom and pop record store across the United States by saying, we're only going to release this in this in Walmart. So yeah. So when I think of the Eagles, there's a lot of things that kind of, these are just two examples of things that I think about and they're not good things. They're not things that make me be like, I can't wait to listen to the Eagles or whatever. Um, but I still like their music. I still like what they do. And I still think that they're a great band. And they, to me, they're a quintessential American band, you know, like they have a sound that is distinctly here in the United States. It doesn't sound like a British band. It doesn't sound like any other country. It's it. the Eagles are distinctly 
American. And I appreciate that and respect that. And, and it's all good. But at the same time, I there's never been a time where I felt like passionate and close to the Eagles or their music because there's too many other things about them that I feel like I kind of like, I'm like, you know, I kind of, the record sort of skips and I'm like, eh, I'm going to move on from that. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely enjoy the Eagles music, but I guess it's hard for me to develop that personal connection because there's too many things about them that I kind of like, eh, I'm going to move on from that. I wouldn't say I love the Eagles, but I did quit my job over the Eagles. <laughs> well, that's so a story there. So, <laughs> what's, what's going on there? <laughs> so um, I, I I feel like I mentioned in, in previous episodes, but if if you're a first time listener, I don't re- I don't even remember what when I might have mentioned it. But I worked at uh, a box office for uh, a major arena in the area, and uh, the Eagles were coming through. And one one of the reasons why I, I did this job, I had picked it up initially uh, after graduating, just as I need a job. I need to work somewhere and started working there and then eventually found another job, but kept it as, as a part-time gig because all these major huge bands would come through. And sometimes I'd have the opportunity to kind of like sneak in and see a couple songs. And it was just kind of cool to just be around that, be in touch with kind of these, these bands that are coming through and the kind of sets they're playing and the kind of people going to the shows. So the Eagles were coming and Ticket prices, I don't know if you've ever looked, even even after Glenn Fry's passing, they're crazy expensive. Another like, thing like, that makes me kind of like, <laughs> about the Eagles. <laughs> insanely expensive. And the place that I worked at tends to be even more expensive than the other nearby venues. So they were coming through. I was like, there's no way I'm going to pay all this money to see them. I had seen Don Henley a couple times, mainly because I'm just like, that's all I need is just Don Henley. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I, I never really seriously kind of considered dropping that kind of money to, to see the, the full band. And I like, I like Henley solo stuff a lot, a, a lot more than, than the Eagles records. If I, if I was forced to choose, but they were coming through and I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll get a chance to, to go, you know, see them for even just a, a couple songs. So it gets closer and closer to the show. And I think tickets were so prohibitively expensive that they actually didn't sell out. Wow. And this I, is it, like the full lineup. The yeah, like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is everybody. Yeah. It's Henley Fry, Joe Walsh. Like this is everybody. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Like there will be this whole bunch of empty seats and I don't see any problem with me, you know, like sitting up in the rafters like I've, I'd work for basically the beginning of the show. And then after like an hour, obviously, you know, th- there's no need for me to be sitting in the ticket office anymore. Uh, you know, so I, you know, end up leaving. And sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd be able to go see shows. You know, I'd seen Earth, Wind and Fire. I had seen Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. I, I, had, I had done this other times and I was just kind of expecting to do it, which is maybe like just kind of pretentious on my part. <laughs> but, but I mean, it hadn't, it hadn't been an issue before. So I was all like super amped. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to work. I'm going to get out. They play a super long show. I mean, they play like 30 songs. So I was like, I'll at least get to see, you know, a good, you know, dozen songs or so after I finish up. So I finish up and I, I can't remember the exact process of, you know, talking to my manager or whoever, but it was just like, no, you're not doing that. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, why, why would you even ask? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, we've like done this before. And I was like, this is like a band that I'm never going to ever pay to see in my life. And they were just like, no, 
And I don't remember if it was in that moment, knowing me and some my somewhat impulsiveness, it might have been in that moment. But afterwards, I was just like, I'm done here. Like this, this was like the one benefit of this job of working in this place where you know, I, you, you you take a lot of crap from from people. Um, it's a customer facing. Yeah, job. yeah, yeah. So not my not my favorite thing to do, but I felt like you know there 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 are trade offs with anything, and the trade off was like you know possibly having terrible customer interactions, but then you get to like chill out and, and listen to a band. And so that, that was, that was it for me. That was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm walking away here. And I feel like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I should just be happy that I've gotten to, you know, see the people that I've seen over the years and shouldn't be like, f- feel entitled to it. I, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's kind of the, the, the realization that I've come to is, the Eagles made me realize that I was entitled, which which is kind of appropriate for, for for the, for this yeah. for this this super entitled. <laughs> <laughs> Where yeah, I mean, if you look up anything about the band members, and um, as Scott had mentioned with kind of the Walmart saga, you know, it, it's like there's there there is something about this band that, for all their preaching about. I don't know, goodwill and charity environmental and environmentalism. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause Don Henley has, has the Walden pond thing. If, if you're not familiar with that. So, I mean, they do a lot of good, but then they like turn around and do kind of this other stuff. And, and, and at any rate, so yeah, I, I guess I, I must sort of love the Eagles because <laughs> I had this like really <laughs> impassioned, impassioned response to, <laughs> to not being able to see them. Um, but I mean, this is this is a band that I feel like we when we did our Billy Joel episode, it's another band where it's just like I it's so nostalgic to just listen to because I feel like they've just these songs have just always kind of been around me. And, you know, growing up, it was like the Eagles is something you could safely put on the radio. And my brother and I and my parents were every, everyone was happy, like listening <laughs> to, the, you know, there was there was no arguments over over anything when Eagles were playing. It was like, OK, we're, 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 all, we're all good with this. And I think that's kind of mostly what I think of when I um, listen to some of these tracks and also, you know, thinking about getting into you know, my parents record collection because they had the that greatest hits 1971 to 75 that we mentioned earlier, where it's just like everywhere um and has like the early hits on there like take it easy peaceful easy feeling uh lion eyes all that all that good stuff so um i think yeah whenever i i listen to the eagles i feel kind of just at home or in in kind of a familiar familiar space because you know i've heard the song so many times and uh there's something i don't know we 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 talked about the 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 overproduction or sleek production a little bit of these records but i don't know there, there's something when i put them on that i find like kind of comforting about it a peaceful easy feeling. a peaceful easy <laughs> man this one's this one this episode is is rough with the puns but we'll we'll, we'll end it we'll end it with that <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Please visit our website at www.skippedonshuffle.com for more news about other episodes and our upcoming schedule. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please visit skippedonshuffle.com for links to all of our social media pages.